Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Bringing you the latest from the world of daily fantasy sports and gambling. So you can stop Googling how to join a squid game to cover all those parlays you thought were such a sure thing. Now, sit back and listen to one of the sharpest minds in the game. Here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Okay, everybody. It is a fight night. We've got UFC 272 on the cards uh, coming up later tonight. We've got the the prelims coming up uh, in about three hours. So uh, just going to get the uh, rundown of the card ahead of time. Obviously, it's headlined by uh, Kobe Covington uh, and Jorge Masvidal. Yeah, we'll get to the main event. I mean, there's a lot of theatrics behind this. I'll get into... My thoughts on that fight uh, coming up later, uh, because honestly, uh, to me, this fight screams neither one of us can be uh, Kamaru Usman, but we got to sell a fight. So let's drum up a bunch of uh, nonsense uh, because, I, you know, they're saying there's a lot of bad blood. I like I said, we'll get to it in a bit. But uh, yeah, a lot of hype going into it. Not as though it's uh, uh, I'm expecting a blood feud but we'll, we'll talk about that in the backstory later so running through down the card uh interesting card on hand here because the co-main event rafael fiza uh Fizev, uh dropped out so uh you had a last minute replacement uh, uh to face uh, uh rafael dos años uh they uh the former <clears throat> uh, uh title holder at 155 you know i I don't really see uh we we uh, we uh, we can actually uh, uh talk about this fight a bit uh because uh we got Renato Moicano uh, uh subbing in at a catch weight so they're doing a catch weight uh at 160 and you know I I, I have uh you know this is one of those things where Betting-wise and DFS-wise, we're going to have a divergence. So betting-wise, uh, Dos Anjos is a, sl- a slight favorite at minus 170. DFS-wise, Dos Anjos' uh, price, uh, because you can't update pricing after someone drops. DFS-wise, his price is at 7300 on DraftKings, $18 on FanDuel. Didn't change. He's now the favorite. This is almost a spot where, yes, can he lose? Certainly, but given what we have on our hands here, you got to roll with it. So for my opinion, this is a fight where you're going to be, you know, I, I would still lean uh, towards Dos Anjos uh, in, in terms of uh, being able to take this to the ground. It's actually a five round co-main event, and that's an important distinction here. So you've got five rounds to play around with instead of uh, uh a three a five minute round, so twenty five minutes inside the octagon. This is an actual uh, uh, a test of uh, where your skill set level is. Moicano, you know, honestly, his biggest win is over uh, Calvin Cater, and we know Calvin Cater is a tough uh, customer. There's no doubt about it. I just look at this as, you know. 
you know when when you uh, when you talk about uh, 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 the uh, when you talk about the lightweight uh, division, and I mean, it's just one of those things where you know he's uh, Dos Anjos, he's just got it all. To be honest, he's well rounded, good striker, can wrestle. Didn't use his wrestling as much in uh, his earlier in his career, but as he's gotten later in his career and he's fought at welterweight, you know he's actually made uh, made uh, the transition to try to uh, wrestle a bit more. And you know he was losing at welterweight, so he went back down to lightweight. I, I just kind of look at this as uh, a case where you know it it. it, it it's just uh you're at the veteran stage of your career like he had uh he had a split decision win over Felder I thought he won it unanimously but you know it was an entertaining enough fight uh but he started mixing in more of his takedowns Moicano I he seems pretty one dimensional in my opinion so while I, I I get the betting odds aren't heavily in favor of uh, Dos Anjos from a DFS perspective this is pretty much a lock button play unless you're running 150 lineups on DraftKings and FanDuel. When your pricing doesn't change as an underdog and then you get a substitute that you are expected to win against, you have to kind of take advantage of uh, that opportunity when it presents itself. Morcano, yeah, you can try to do the game theory aspect and Say, you know, if 65% of the field, hell, it may even be 70, is on uh, those años. And this is the other thing. General public-wise, they're not going to pay attention to things of this nature. So there's a chance Dos Anjos comes in below 65% ownership. I just look at this as a case where Locking him in, you get overweight on the field. Yes, could this implode your lineup if he loses? Yeah, because realistically, if you're going to take down a, a tournament in UFC, you you need to be going six of six in a large field contest. Smaller contests, you can get away with it, but you need to go six for six. And so when we're kind of going through this card and breaking it down, you know, you got to take your spots where you can get them. And in this card, we'll, uh, I'll uh, I'll pop back down into the beginning of the card. But I wanted to make that important distinction with the Dos Anjos co-main event because it makes a huge difference in terms of your roster construction. By locking in Dos Anjos at 7,300, it at least gives you the flexibility to start considering some of these other plays because we've got a bunch of high-priced individuals salary-wise. And... Betting odds wise, they're all over the place. So we'll we'll get into it, and uh, uh, we'll we'll start uh, we'll start uh, uh, mixing up a bit. But uh, I at least needed to make that distinction uh, because it's it's not the easiest thing in the world to uh, lock someone in and not feel that comfortable about it from a betting perspective, but do it for uh, the game theory purposes. Because, you know, again, I can see folks uh, 
wanting to play Mokano because he's priced at seventy two hundred, and, and 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 you try to get different that way. I just don't think it's necessarily, you know, yes. If you're doing twenty plus line uh, lineups in the one fifty, absolutely, just get one hundred percent of the fight, and you could probably go eighty twenty uh, Dos Anjos uh, versus Mokano because you'll probably get uh you'll probably be overweight on the field but i just think that uh dos Anjos is going to get this fight to the ground and he's just gonna wear uh, try to wear on him for five rounds I, I just think i don't see an early stoppage coming in this fight so it just gives more opportunity for dos Anjos to get this fight to the ground and you're gonna rack up points dfs wise doing so uh over five rounds. It, it, to me, I just think that you go with the grappler over five rounds and let him rack up the points and the control time on the ground. It, it just scoring wise, it's it's a better way of doing your lineup construction. So uh, we'll start off uh, with that main uh, talking point, and then uh, we'll we'll get into the rest of the card. So to get into the early preliminaries, we got a first uh, matchup. With Dustin Jacoby uh, fighting uh, Mikhail uh, Oleksiuk uh, at light heavyweight, uh, Jacoby is the minus two twenty favorite. Uh, Olchechuk uh, coming in at uh, plus one eighty. Uh, Jacoby eighty six hundred on DraftKings, twenty on FanDuel. Uh, Olchechuk at seventy six hundred and ten dollars on FanDuel. I personally want to stay away from this fight uh, you know yes i know we you know you try to look for underdogs and live but jacoby fights are very meh for me like he's a kickboxer he throws leg strikes he, he pumps out the jab but you know i haven't seen him really put together that devastating power uh that uh you can you can see so from my perspective and this is me i'm i'm just saying this is a case where you can get uh yourself into trouble by locking in guys too early because i could see this fight going to a decision i know it's minus 165 to finish inside the distance the problem is i i don't I've, I just haven't seen the volume from Jacoby to feel comfortable enough with his striking to pay 8600 because you need a first round stoppage. He doesn't he pumps out decent leg kicks, but sometimes those get don't get scored at significant strikes. And you have to remember uh, with uh, the scoring system for MMA, significant strikes count double uh, than a regular. Stri- so. Uh, you obviously you get a point for every strike, but a significant strike is an additional point. So you want to have those guys that you know are either getting guys to the ground and pummeling them because, like, when you're pummeling guys on the ground, that's automatically counting as a significant strike. If you get a kickboxer who's jabbing you, uh, hitting you with jabs, and then uh, you know hit, hitting you with leg kicks, but you know not nothing else too serious. That's not exactly like monster scores that you're you're getting from it. it it's just the way it is. It, it, so I, again, I, I'm I'm not saying it's a, a 
don't bet on Jacoby to win because I think he wins the fight. It's just I don't see this ending in a in a finish. And by the end of the day, he's probably going to end up scoring you maybe 70, 75 points. And at 8,600, you're, you're kind, you're kind of in a bad way. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, if, uh, if he, if he can't get the finish, he doesn't get enough volume. Yeah. You get a decision win, but you know, the 30 points and then the strikes. Yeah. You're, you're probably looking at a 70 to 75 point score. Because he's not going for takedowns, he's not getting anything else out of that. He's not getting. Maybe he gets a knockdown and uh, and boosts the score that way to get you into the eighties. But I'm not. I have a very, very limited appetite for Jacoby outside of running 150 lineups, and I, I don't necessarily see myself doing that with this card because I'm not terribly in love with uh, these underdogs. Uh, Oshayshuk uh, is. A striker, but not exactly the most skilled striker either. So it's not as though I think he's going to get slept. It's just I, I think there's going to be a lot of kind of poke damage by Jacoby, keeping his distance, using leg kicks, and pumping the jab, but not really scoring big points on on both sides. And and, and again, certainly I don't see this finishing inside the distance. I disagree with that. 165 if anything you can bet the over in my opinion uh to go to decision uh so uh or uh yeah because this was uh slated to go uh uh, uh under uh, two and a half so yeah i would bet the over and just bet it to go to decision and you you'll get plus money in that regard so uh that's uh that's my take on this first fight let's get into the second one Devontae smith uh ludovic uh klein we got Two fighters with very glaring uh, flaws. Uh, Klein, uh, this is taking uh, place at lightweight, but you got Klein, who has a questionable gas tank, but part of it is, uh, you know, and folks keep saying, is that Klein keeps taking these fights on short notice. And, you know, we've seen him uh, in the UFC a couple of times, and it's always the case where looks good first round, second round, not as good. Third round, he's completely gassed, and he gets himself into bad shape or just gets finished because he's just exhausted. So I'm just, uh, I, I, I'm actually looking at Klein, not because of uh, what he can do, is because of some of the flaws I'm seeing and why I'm betting Klein. Because Devontae Smith is a touted prospect with the UFC, but I'm sorry. This guy's got a glass chin. This guy got slept by Kama Worthy uh, two years ago at a at, when he was a minus 1,000 favorite. I remember that fight clearly because Kama, uh, Kama Worthy does not have any punching power. R- really does not have any decent punching power. And every time I see, I've seen Smith fight, he's always looked susceptible of getting slept at any time so even when he wins it looks dangerous uh when he's in the pocket because every blow that's anywhere halfway decent it looks as though he he's about to go down so i have very real concerns that this fight and it's it's slated to be uh minus 225 inside the distance so 
the odds makers agree that something somebody's going down this fight uh and not making it to a decision. I'm willing to roll the dice on Klein being at 7700 on DraftKings and he's a, a 14 on a FanDuel because, you know, at that point you can get the KO uh potential and I think worst case, you know, if Smith gets knocked down and loses a round, I think uh, he's going to be more tentative in terms of opening up his offense. And then the uh, Ludwig, it, you don't have to worry about it because Smith's not shooting for takedowns on you. I just look at it as a case where you can get value for a finish inside the distance from an underdog. And there aren't many great options in this uh, card. So, to me, Smith's a fade. Uh, Klein, you know, he's only 135, uh, plus 135 as an underdog. But the price discrepancy is enough where, again, he's 7,700. is was plus 180, but he was 7,600. It's like, of course you get, you, you, like... You, Playing Klein makes uh, way more sense. Uh, the FanDuel pricing was a little bit more reasonable at 14. Um, and it'd be a little bit more representative but on DraftKings. To me, Klein makes more sense uh, than most of uh, some of these fighters that we're, uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, just in terms of win equity and potential. If it goes to a decision, at some point, uh, I think, you know, he can win a striking battle to uh, get himself in a in a good spot. So, again, I, I think this is a uh, a case where we we can definitely uh, feel uh, pretty confident in terms of uh, the play. I, you know, again, I'm not saying he's a lock play because you know Smith can certainly uh, figure a way out of surviving and then. Putting uh, putting Klein away uh, in the third round, but again, at the price tag of eighty five hundred, Smith getting a third round finish is not good enough. So again, you're just not going to be scoring enough because realistically, yeah, you want to finish, but I don't think a third round finish gets it done for Smith uh, because he's not wrestling. So again, if you're not wrestling, you're not getting takedowns, and you're not getting control time. You're not scoring enough points. Uh, I I just don't see it. So to me, Klein, I like for betting outright, throw it into parlays, uh, and I like the inside the distance of minus two twenty five. Yeah, it's it's getting a little bit up there in terms of betting it, but uh, it's something worth considering just because Smith's got a, a very questionable chin, and Klein's gas tank wears out very rapidly. Uh, as the fight progresses uh, to the point where he's a big question mark if it gets to a third round of of getting of getting uh, of getting popped uh, because uh, his hands uh, his hands start coming down his feet get slow he, he, Smith can get a finish in the third so to me I, I think the un, uh, the inside the distance finish is is certainly a live bet uh, at the number so next up on the card. At featherweight, it, it's uh, <laughs> man, Tim Elliott is still kicking. Uh, Tim Elliott as an underdog, 
uh, fighting Tajir Ulambekov uh, from uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov's uh, camp. Uh, I mean, he, you've you've got uh, you've got uh, uh, Khabib and the rest of his team that you know they're just gonna wrestle. They're gonna try to get you to the ground. Ulambekov, you know, I don't think is necessarily that skilled. Uh, from what I've seen, you know, yeah, you know, he he can re- he can wrestle, but he's not Khabib. It, so he's a my, uh, he's nine thousand. He's a minus two forty favorite. Uh, Twenty bucks on Fanduel, nine uh, k on DraftKings. Uh, Elliot is seventy two hundred and ten dollars on Fanduel. The thing with Elliot is he fights in such an awkward fashion that. You don't win the fight with Tim Elliott, but he finds ways of surviving striking exchanges. So it just makes it difficult dealing with him and get, finding your range. And Ulanbekov just looks awkward striking in general. So I have a little bit of concern playing Ulanbekov because, yeah, can he get Tim Elliott to the ground? Yeah, I think so. But. I think it's going to take him so long in the rounds to get it done that I'm not sure if he can get the finish. So we could find ourselves in a space where, you know, Ulanbekov gets Tim Elliott on the ground. And, you know, I, I, I got to be honest. Uh, it, it, back off again, if you get him in a spot where he's only getting takedowns in the last minute of a round, how quickly can he finish Tim Elliott? My suggestion to this is Tim Elliott can survive a, to a decision. It busts your lineup because back off 9K. Yeah, he gets a decision win and still scores in the 70s. Or maybe he gets to 80, but he doesn't score anywhere close to 100 at his price tag, which you need because he doesn't have enough control time because Tim Elliott was doing all this weird ass like I'm telling you, it, it you have to see it to believe it because like he does these like weird like crane motions and he'll step and like it's so hard to describe it, it, it because like you you, you honest, honest to God, the guy looks like he's tweaking. <laughs> like it's just like it, it's, it's like it, it's like the that's the only thing I can describe as like uh, if, if you see if you see some of those r- random videos of, of people hopped up on drugs like I, I I don't know how Tim Elliott even started considering fighting this way it's just a very weird way of uh, going about uh uh fighting it, it's so strange he is so so strange uh. It's it's really one of the most awkward things I've I've ever seen from a fighter because you 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 try to uh, you can't prep for him he, he he just fights at such awkward angles and like this like backward like it's so weird watching him it really is so yeah I mean I I know I'm uh, uh, 
just kind of going uh, in circles here, but I don't think Elliot has a shot at winning this, uh, but it, it just seems as though this could go to a decision and just bust cards. And, you know, you're, you're going to need big scores. I just don't know if Ulanbekov can get it done because I think Elliot can put him in enough awkward positions that he can't get himself into an offensive uh, position on the ground to finish the fight. So, uh, next up, uh, one of the fighters I am targeting, Umar Nurmagomedov, uh, you know, hey, he is related to Khabib, uh, I, but, uh, you know, and at 135, he's going up against Brian Kelleher, journeyman, uh, I know people are going to say he's a gamer. Listen, he's uh, Namaga Madoff is minus 720. Uh, the inside the distance finish is minus 110. I think that's a complete mistake. Namaga Madoff should finish this fight. I don't understand how that inside the distance is only minus 110. He's going to wrestle him, and he's either going to pound him or he's going to uh, choke him. But this fight is ending. One way with Nurmagomedov winning. Uh, there's no other way this goes. Realistically, none. Uh, I don't know what else to say about this fight other than I'll have a ton of Nurmagomedov. The only reason why he's not at 100% lock is because he's 9600 on DraftKings, $22 on FanDuel. He may win the fight too quickly. And I, <laughs> I know, folks, when you hear me say that, uh, you're going to be like, what are, What are you talking about? You want to win. Yes, we want to win, but like the weird thing about uh, DFS scoring for uh, MMA is that sometimes if you knock a guy out too quickly, even if you might get the flash KO number, it still doesn't score as well as you pounding on the guy throughout most of the first round and then finishing him inside of the first round. And same go- uh, thing goes for here. He could get the takedown and pound him out or finish him, and it will still be in under two minutes and not use the full five minutes of round one. I- I'm telling you, like, there's a real chance Nurmagomedov could not be in the winner and still dominate his fight. But the thing is, I'm not going to g- not play him because of the what if of if he wins too quickly. Uh, you know, I know there's a win. I'm going to lock in a win, uh, not 100%, but at least a, a good portion of my lineups. Kelher's not offering anything here. So to me, this one, you can definitely bet to finish inside a distance. I have no concerns about this fight whatsoever. Uh, this is about the most clear-cut fight on the card, in my opinion. Uh, next up, uh, we have a women's... Uh, uh, I believe it's strawweight division. Um, Maria Agapova uh, and Marina Moroz. Uh, Agapova is favored, minus 170. Uh, 8800 on DraftKings, $19 on FanDuel. Uh, Moroz, 7400 on DraftKings, $11 on FanDuel. This fight is far more interesting for the backstory than the actual talent level of the fighters. Uh, even though they're, they're, they do have talent. But the backstory on this one was Moroz and Akapova were former training partners at the same gym. And apparently Akapova 
there was a lot of controversy uh, with her at her gym. I mean, she was accused of stalking the wife of one of the other members of the gym, one of the dudes. Uh, she got into a car crash. Uh, there's accusations from a rose that Agapova was addicted to drugs or pain medication uh, during her time at the gym. And a lot of wild stuff. Agapova, uh, Agapova denied it, uh, said she was being smeared by Morose. So there's a lot of bad blood here, uh, to be honest. And Agapova is the striker, uh, has decent talent, um, uh, 24 years old. Uh, Morose is 30, a uh, bit more experience in MMA, but, you know, the record's not too much, uh, Right home about ten and three, five and three in the UFC. Uh Agapova before the car accident uh was considered a top prospect. Uh she did come back for a win. Uh so you know, Agapova, you know, as I said, minus one seventy favorite. Uh this fight is plus one twenty to go to distance, so not expected to finish inside a distance. You know, again, this is one of those where Talent level-wise, Morose, even though she's the grappler, I don't know if she's talented enough to assert her dominance if she can get this fight to the ground and finish Agapova. This could be a fight where Morose gets her to the ground, can't hold her there, because I've seen Agapova uh, not be good at takedown defense, but be strong enough to... uh, uh, be strong enough to uh, put together... Uh, a submission defense off the ground, and uh, and she's actually submitting opponents that way too. So, uh, you, you know, I I don't know. I could go heavy on this fight, or I could go light on this fight. I haven't made a a final decision yet. I, I may just because of my indecision may just pull uh, be way underweight on both uh, fighters, just because I I you know. You don't want to be chasing inside the distance when you know you need big scores on this card. Uh, as I said, uh, you've got very big potential because of the Dosanio's uh, fight that you need to score a lot of points. And there's just uh, a real chance you could uh, you you could find yourself boxed out by picking some of these fights and you don't get a big score. and you know, at the end of the night, not have enough points. It's possible. So I don't, I don't know if this fight can bring enough in terms of a finish, uh, because I think that's what you're going to need. I don't think Morose is good enough to get a bunch of takedowns and grind out a three round victory and score high enough to be relevant. Uh, and this is the same argument I'm going to have with one of our later main event uh, 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 main card fights uh, coming up. Uh, uh, but uh, you know, I, yeah, I think I'm probably going to be underweight on this fight. But uh, I would say at the price tag and just from a game theory standpoint for DFS, I would lean more Morose than Agapova. Uh, just because Agapova is 8,800, you would need that first round finish to be in the running, in my opinion, with the fighters on this card that can dominate on the ground. Again, 
the scores won't be high enough if you if you get Agapova in the decision. You need a finish. Whereas Morose, she can get a couple of takedowns, uh, steal a fight, and you can manage with an eighty with Morose because of the takedowns and whatnot. If she gets the victory, you know. Again, at the cheaper price tag, you fit some more of the uh, expensive fighters and jam in three studs. I, I think that that's a way to go with Morose. I just don't know if I can see enough scenarios where that plays out enough that it's going to be worthwhile to have it in a bunch of my lineups. That's my biggest concern. Uh, next up, it, this is probably the worst fight on the card. Kennedy and Juku and Nick Nagurianu. Uh, Nagurianu underdog, uh, plus 115. $7,800 on DraftKings, $16 on FanDuel. Uh, Kennedy is also $16 on FanDuel, but he's 8400 on DraftKings. Honestly, this is a coin flip fight. I don't think either one of these guys is very good, but this is expected to finish inside the distance at minus 190. And Juku has a clear power advantage. He's he's a jack dude, and he's tall. He's, he's huge in the light heavyweight division. I, I think when he hydrates, and he's actually fighting in the octagon on fight night. Uh, he's easily 250. I, I I think he hydrates an additional 30 pounds. Like every time, like he cuts weight and then he rehydrates. I think he, I honestly think he's closer to 240 because he's he, he like he is so tall and huge. I I don't know how he makes that cut to 205. To be perfectly honest. But the issue I have with Kennedy is the fact that he doesn't let his hands go, and he is so, so passive in his attack that, real, realistically, he only, he only really seems to look impressive when he's on the verge of getting clipped and knocked out because he gets into a fight-or-flight mode. I, I don't know what it is, why he can't seem to get himself going sooner, but I think the Gurianu can steal the fight, and at 7,800, Again, I'm not totally sold on Morose, but if you're uh, slamming in studs and you're trying to get by with a victory, Deguriano, I think he could get it done more than Morose. The question is, you know, he's going to try to mix in takedowns. Can he get to, because I, I think you're probably going to need to be around 75 to 80, as, I, as I've said with this kind of card. And the way things can go south, if you don't have one of the studs that will probably land in the optimal, it it could be a rough night. So, not going crazy with this fight. Uh, and Kennedy, again, his volume is so low. If he doesn't get a knockout and a quick knockout, like a fl- like where he gets that flash. KO bonus uh, in the first two and a half minutes of the first round. I just don't, I don't see it because uh, he just doesn't throw enough volume with his strikes to put up a big number if he doesn't get the finish. So, uh, moving on, uh, Marina Rodriguez, uh, a two seventy five favorite over Zhao Zheng Yan. Uh, uh, Wait, actually, this is Strawway. This is at 115. Um, but 
I, yeah, this fight screams decision, and they're both strikers. This fight I'm avoiding because I don't think either one of them has the power to knock out the other. It's just one of those things like they're precision punchers. They don't have power. So to me, this is a complete fade. It's plus 165 to go to a decision. I think that number should be probably closer to minus 180, minus 200, just because I don't think they have the power and neither one of them really looks as though they're going to grapple enough to get a submission victory uh, inside the distance. I, I just don't see it happening. All right, next fight. This is definitely one that I figure will factor into uh, the optimal lineup. Uh, we got a clash between Jalen Turner versus Jamie Malarkey. Uh, very evenly priced, and it's an even matchup to be honest, uh, 8200 on Turner on DraftKings, $70 FanDuel. Uh, Malarkey is a 135 favorite. I mean, 135 underdog. Uh, Turner is minus 155. Uh, Malarkey, yeah, slight underdog. Uh, Pricing-wise, also reflects it. Uh, basically, uh, this fight's minus 200 to finish inside the distance. Um, Malarkey likes breaking guys down, wearing them out, and then finishing them. Uh, Turner has lights out power, so he can shut them off in any round of this fight. Uh, These guys are not going to a decision. The question becomes who's going to get the W. I'm probably going to be leaning more towards Turner just because I don't think there's enough cost savings with Malarkey to drop down. I just think uh, Malarkey, I don't think he's going to be able to wrestle enough with Turner uh, to finish him on the ground. And if it stays standing, I think Turner has enough to knock him out. Uh, you know, if it's not the first round, uh, second or third round, uh, I definitely think he's in the cards. Like I said, I don't see how this one goes to a decision with the way these guys fight. They are very aggressive. They leave themselves open. So. We could get a a fight of the night or a knockout of the night honors coming from this bout. But, uh, yeah, I'll probably be like 70-30 on Turner. But my exposure is going to be on this fight just because, again, both of these fighters uh, are pushing to end fights and not go to a decision. I I definitely look at this as uh, uh, one to target. Um, moving on, uh, yeah, the Greg Hardy fight. Okay, for those of you who don't know, Greg Hardy, former NFL player, has been in the UFC for about three years or so. He's not very good. Uh, I mean, he's lost his last two fights. Uh, Tai Tuivasa knocked him out, and then, uh, Martian Tybura, uh, basically, uh, took him to the ground and uh, hurt him and uh, finished Hardy. The issue with Hardy, he's strong, but he has absolutely zero cardio and he has asthma. So somehow he was able to get an inhaler in between rounds. I think they stopped that, to be honest. Uh, I just don't see if Hardy doesn't get the first round knockout. 
So you can bet the first round knockout for Hardy if you want to bet on Greg Hardy. But if he doesn't get the first round knockout, Spivak is going to wrestle Hardy to the ground at some point in the second and third round and finish him. Greg Hardy cannot get off his back and get out of uh, being taken down. He's going to turtle. He's going to get beaten uh, just like he was in the Tybura fight. Spivak is a better wrestler than Tybura. Uh, Spy- the problem with Spivak is that he's 8700 on DraftKings, $19 on FanDuel. I just think he's too expensive. So I just don't think he scores enough, even with a finish and taking down Greg Hardy. I don't think he scores well enough because I think he'll probably be around 90, 95. Because he, he also doesn't throw a ton of volume. And again, because Hardy's going to go down quickly once he's on his back, you're not going to get multiple takedowns. So this is, again, one of those cases where it may not end quickly. This fight may not end quickly. This may end up going to a second round, which, you know, you still get this. uh, You still get uh, uh, the points for finishing uh, past round one, but. It, the bonuses aren't as high, so I don't necessarily see Spivak scoring enough at his price tag. And again, I've said this before. You, we've got multiple fighters to uh, on this card where they can put up scores well in excess of 100. So you, you don't want to get left behind by locking in a fighter that has a low ceiling. This is just not one of those... Uh, uh, fights uh in cards where you want to uh, be uh, limiting your horizon if you will um so i'm gonna be very low on this fight outside of having some shares in hardy just because he does have one punch knockout power he could clip spivak it's not as though spivak's got a great chin so uh you know kind of go from there next up kevin holland and alex cowboy Oliveira. Holland, 9,100, a minus 350 favorite. Uh, uh, $21 on FanDuel. Oliveira, 7,100 on FanDuel. $9 on uh, the FanDuel. Listen, plus plus 270 for Cowboy. And frankly, this is Kevin Holland's uh, make-or-break fight. If he loses this fight, he may as well get cut from the UFC. Uh, Holland, you know, he's fought the Top guys in the division, don't get me wrong. Um, uh, he lost that fight to Vittori. Uh, he got uh, taken to the ground repeatedly against Derek Brunson. You know, they're good. Um, you know, I, I just look at it as a case where, you know, he was going to lose that Kyle Dawkins fight uh, until the headbutt, but realistically, that headbutt had nothing to do with the fight, Dawkins was dominating him on the ground and was going to finish him if they didn't clash heads. Uh, Oliveira is not going to take Kevin Holland to the ground. Holland doesn't have to worry about the wrestling deficiency he has. Uh, This is going to be a striking battle. Cowboy Oliveira is good, but Holland's better. Holland should get the finish. The question becomes, again, I, I'm going to sound like a broken record. Can he break 100? I don't know. I don't know if he can knock out Oliveira in round one uh, fast enough uh, uh, to get that mark. And, you know, he's going to need to be able to land 
en- enough strikes uh, to if if that goes past round two, uh, it goes past round one to justify the ninety one hundred dollar price tag. Cowboy Oliveira, is there a chance he can knock out Kevin Holland? Yeah, Kevin Holland does a bunch of stupid stuff, including talking to fighters uh, in inopportune situations. He loves talking and being a showman, but realistically, I I think that kind of takes away from his concentration level in the middle of fights. So, yeah, Holland could screw up, but I just have uh, concerns that, uh, you know, Cowboy, even if there is an opening from Holland that, you know, at this stage in his career, he can't pull the uh, trigger as quickly as he used to and won't be able to uh, catch Holland in a bad spot and finish it. Because I think if this goes past round one, I don't think Oliveira's gas tank is good enough uh, to hold up against uh, uh, the power that Holland has. He he can turn your lights out quickly, and if you start slowing down and make it easier for him to tag you when you can't wrestle, I, I think Oliveira is in a big... Uh, big pickle if he can't get that fight to the ground so uh and somehow uh get a submission on holland i you know again he's not a wrestler but he's i think he's got to figure out a way of getting holland to the ground uh next up the fight that again this was the one i was talking about uh before uh when i was talking about the morose fight bryce mitchell against edson barboza at 145, uh, Bryce Mitchell, the, the hot young prospect, minus 165 favorite, 8300 on DraftKings, $18 on FanDuel. Edson Barbosa, 7900 on DraftKings, $13 FanDuel, is a plus 145 favorite. I think Barbosa can win this one in short order because I don't think Bryce Mitchell is very good at striking. Uh, to be perfectly honest. So if he gets uh, caught early in round one, I think Barbosa can just will him down and finish him off in short order uh, to close out round one. Uh, but I think he's got, he's got to uh, put his hands on Bryce early and often. If this becomes a, a case where he's trying to feel him out and pace it, Bryce Mitchell is going to figure out a way of getting him to the ground because he is elite on the ground, jujitsu and wrestling. He can, he can take it over. So again, I, I get why people like Bryce Mitchell. It's expected to finish minus minus one fifty inside the distance. Uh, Bryce is talented enough to submit uh, Barbosa without question. But the thing that concerns me the most is, Mitchell could be one of those guys that shifts the slate because, you know, I talked about Dos Anjos and his wrestling um, being in a five-round fight. You could get a situation where uh, Bryce Mitchell, even though he's not in a five-round fight, you could get Bryce Mitchell in a situation where he's able to get Barbosa to the ground multiple times in a three-round fight, and Barbosa not at, you know, because Barbosa's, I believe he's 36 at this point. Um, after the first couple of takedowns, he's not going to get back up. 
So you could end up with a situation where Bryce Mitchell is on top of Barbosa for an entire round, just eating up control time and not going for a finish immediately and just peppering him with punches. And this is the thing with DFS scoring you got to be careful about. When you get wrestlers and they can just start peppering punches, but they're not finishing fighters, it's almost better than having a guy who finishes the fight because they will just continually rack up points. They're going to win unless something dramatic happens. I think this is uh, the fight that I'm going to be worried about. I, I'm hoping Barbosa uh, can get it done. But if Bryce Mitchell gets this to the ground, I think this could be potential slate breaker because I think folks are going to be on Covington and Rafael Dos Anjos because of their wrestling. And sc- and they're going to score well anyway. So you're going to need a bunch of scores uh, uh, to go along with it. If, if, uh, if the projections on Dos Anjos and Covington are as high as I'm seeing them at the moment. That being said, I still think Barbosa's smart enough uh, to avoid enough takedowns that I don't think Mitchell outscores uh, what you're going to probably see from Nurmagomedov. And I still think Holland can get a finish faster than Mitchell. So I think Holland might be higher. It's not, it's not an exact science. But, you know, I, I do think there there are pathways where Mitchell doesn't get there. And, you know, obviously Barbosa can always get a finish. Uh, I just, you know, as I said, it, it's you, you're you're trying to go for as much ceiling plays as possible. I know Bryce Mitchell has a ceiling. I just don't know if. Uh, the probability of him getting there because, you know, one of these guys on the wrestling side between Magomedov, Mitchell, um, and, you know, I think, I, I, I don't think Ulanbekov is, is necessarily in that camp. Um, so I, I'll say between, uh, oh, well, actually, yeah, Dos Anjos and Go- Covington. There is a real chance all four of them could score north of 120. I think between Covington and Dos Anjos, they score over 130 and more, most likely, in a five-round fight because of the multiple takedowns and holding their opponents down. So that's why I think Dos Anjos is like the free square you have to hit and lock in because if you don't and he hits that ceiling, you were never catching up. I I just don't see how because he's so cheap and will outscore basically everyone on the card. If it goes the way I think it goes, a guy on short notice, five days notice for the fight, not working on his wrestling takes. I, I just I just think this screams multiple takedowns and he breaks the slate. I've seen it happen too many times at this point. Um, so yeah, the, the, Dos Anjos, I think is the free square. You just got to lock him into whatever lineups you're playing tonight and, and go from there. Uh, so the main event between Covington and Masvidal, listen, they both know they can't be Kamaru Usman. 
if Covington wins this fight, which I expect him to, he's a minus three twenty favorite after all. I think uh, Covington probably calls out Dustin Poirier again because he's been trying to make that fight happen for quite some time. Meanwhile, Poirier really wants to fight Nate Diaz, but the UFC won't give in to Nate's contract demands uh, for the fight. So I think uh, Covington ends up being the beneficiary of uh, just idle hands. Because he gets this fight that I think is clearly commercially based and not factually based. Because I don't think there's a situation where Corey Masvidal, outside of a flash KO in the first two rounds, is finishing Kobe Covington. I, you know, Usman cracked him multiple times and he kept coming back. Uh, that I'm not rushing through. Uh, some of the question uh, answer stuff, but uh, yeah, I I really don't see a benefit uh, of uh, trying to go against the grain here and try to take Masvidal. If you're gonna bet Masvidal instead of taking him at plus two fifty as the underdog, just bet him to uh, win by uh, TKO uh, because trying to get the judges right is hard enough, but when and the guy is not going to be wrestling Covington, and he's got to rely strictly on his striking. It's a recipe for disaster. I just think that uh, Covington takes him down multiple times, grinds on him, and salts away the victory. I, I don't think he puts uh, any real danger uh, uh, to uh, uh, to uh, Covington at this point. It's just, you know, can Masvidal get a power combination to uh, beat Covington? Doubtful. I mean, Usman has tagged him multiple times, and we we know how much power Usman has by that knockout he had on Masvidal, where you just see the sweat flying all over the place. I just, I just don't necessarily. Uh, see a pathway where Masvidal gets done if he doesn't finish Col- uh, Colby in round one. Uh, I just, I don't see it. I just don't see it. So uh, there, there you have it in terms of the rundown. Uh, Covington is ninety four hundred on uh, DraftKings, twenty three dollars on FanDuel. I just think that you know you got to go, you got to lock in Covington. Uh, the potential for Dos Anjos and Covington to destroy the slate by scoring well in excess of uh, 270 points. I, I would question that. I, you know, I, I just, I don't see how fading either co, uh, either the main event or co-main event uh, makes much sense. I think you got to lock in both uh, characters and, you know, we're from there, but uh, yeah, uh, that should do it on my end. Uh, you know, uh, I I think that at the end of the day, Covington is going to call out uh, Dustin Poirier. Meanwhile, Poirier wants to fight Nate Diaz, and we're going to get this circle uh, all over again. But uh, you know, interesting enough card. I just don't know how the big uh, salary fighters are going to do. 
in terms of their performance, and uh, because I just think they're gonna we're gonna see multiple ceilings uh, hit as part of uh, this story. And if you're not willing to adapt and change up your game plan a bit, you could get yourself in trouble in terms of finishing some of these fighters. Uh, but uh, you know, a number of young prospects, so we'll see how uh, the card shapes out. But uh, I think both the co-main event and main event are very straightforward. Uh, locks for the favorites. That's why the numbers are creeping so high. Uh, although, I Moicano has a better shot than Masvidal, but uh, you know th- this is more about growing your brand because again, both guys are not calling out Kamaru Usman again if they win. I I, I can basically promise you that. So. Uh, that'll do it for me. I'm going to get out of here and wrap up, uh, my, uh, lineups, but feel pretty confident, but just in terms of, uh, the fighters I'd be targeting, obviously Covington, Dos Anjos, uh, I'll be looking at, uh, I'll be looking at, uh, uh, J- uh, Jalen Turner and, you know, probably Ludovic Klein, uh, you know, as uh, like kind of, uh, 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 core lineup uh, construction ideas, but uh, you know, we'll we'll uh, we'll see how the fights pan out. But uh, until next time, uh, enjoy uh, the fights, and we'll see we'll see if you can find a winner out of what I've already laid out. So, uh, best of luck, everyone, and until next time, see ya. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all other major outlets.